Uh, hey guys, uh, welcome again to RUF, uh, Reformed University Fellowship. Uh, it's really good to see you guys. Um, my name is Chris, I'm the campus minister here, which means it's my job to be your pastor. Um, and I love that. Honestly, I was out of town uh, for the last four or five days, and when I came back on campus today, uh, I just felt very overwhelmed uh, with thankfulness to the Lord to get to be here with you. Uh, I'd love to, to be here with you guys. I would love to get to know you as much as you'd like to do that. So anyway, uh, I would love to meet with you. Call me. My number's on the sheet. Uh, send me an email, Facebook, whatever. I would love to get to know you guys. Um, RUF is a safe place for you, whether you're a Christian, you're not yet a Christian, you don't know what you are, you don't know who you are. Um, RUF is a safe place for you to figure that out, um, to hear the Bible and process it at your own pace. Um, so tonight we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 8. We're continuing our series called Questions God Asks. So you can turn there in your Bible if you want, or it's on the screen. Um, my two favorite movies, not that you particularly care, uh, are Jaws. It's a great movie. And Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Um, thank you. I knew God put me here for a reason. And now I've found it. Um, oh, Brother, Where Art Thou is a story about these three guys in the 30s, like in the Dust Bowl in Mississippi, who uh, escaped from the prison yard. And, uh, and they're on the run, right? And at this one point, they have gotten a car, and they come to this crossroads, and they pick up uh, this guy. His name's Tommy Johnson, right? And they ask Tommy, like, Tommy, what do you, you know, they pick him up the hitchhike. What are you doing out here? And uh, he said that he had to be there last night at midnight to sell his soul to the devil. And um, so uh, Ulysses Everett McGill, uh, he says, Tommy, what did, what did the devil give you for your soul? And Tommy says, he taught me how to play this here guitar real good. And uh, Delmer, who's one of the more dopey guys, says, oh, son, for that you gave your everlasting soul. And Tommy says, well, I wasn't using it. He wasn't using it. Um, if I asked y'all what you would sell your soul for, uh, you'd probably laugh, right? Because that's a ridiculous question. Because obviously you can't sell your soul, right? Uh, but Jesus actually comes to us in this passage, and uh, he begs to differ. Uh, according to Jesus, you can sell your soul. And it's actually much easier than we might think to do so. So let's dive in. We're going to look at Mark chapter 8. Beginning in verse 34, I've been throwing some really long passages, so we're just going to keep it short tonight. And there was much rejoicing. Uh, Mark 8, beginning in verse 34, listen, this is the word of God. And he, Jesus, called to him the crowd with his disciples and said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? For what can a man give in return for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Uh, Father, your word's been read, and that's a blessing to us, and you're able to do 
abundantly more than ever we could ever think or imagine uh, just from the reading of it. Um, but Lord, would you attend now uh, to the teaching of it as frail uh, as it is, Lord, to bring glory to yourself? Uh, because indeed, um, your power is shown forth uh, in our weakness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so this semester we've been looking at this series, right? We've been looking in the scripture where God is asking a question. And we thought that's weird, right? Because God knows everything, so why does God need to ask questions? And we found that God sometimes asks his people questions so that we can hear ourselves answer them. He wants to teach us something. And tonight, Jesus asked this question. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life or soul? One of Some of your translations might say uh, soul. According to Jesus, you can either keep your life and lose it or lose your life and keep it. But those are the only two options, and they're pretty stark. Uh, in the 1950s, there was a missionary. His name was Jim Elliott. Uh, some of you may have heard of him. If you're into missions, you've definitely heard of him. Uh, he, went, uh, he wanted to reach this very obscure tribal people in Ecuador, right? And so he went with a team, and uh, he went down and tried to make contact with them, and the tribe actually killed him and uh, his three companions. And... Um, Later on, when reading Jim Elliott's journal, his wife, his wife found that as he thought about the possibility of losing his life on the mission field, he said this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. And I want to just kind of frame our talk with that tonight. Uh, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Uh, Jim Elliott got what Jesus was getting at in this passage, um, that whatever we might be chasing other than Jesus isn't worth it. Whatever we might sell our soul for, if it isn't Jesus, it just isn't worth it. Uh, Having anything and losing Jesus uh, is not worth it. So simply tonight, I just want to pitch to you that having Jesus is better than having anything else for three reasons. Three reasons. Uh, Jesus gives us true life. Jesus gives us true liberty. And Jesus gives us the pursuit of true happiness. Uh, That might sound familiar to you. (laughs) Uh, I was going to try to make some punny joke about the government shutting down, but I... (laughs) I got nothing. I had limited preparation time. Don't hold it against me. Uh, So Jesus gives us true life. Uh, Following Jesus is true humanity. So Jesus gives us true life. Uh, And allow me just to sort of seminary geek out for like two seconds. I don't usually do like a Greek lesson because it's boring and what do you guys care anyway? Um, But the word that Jesus uses when he says life, like for whoever would save his life will lose it. And what does it profit a man to gain the whole world to lose his life? Uh, That word, life, may be translated soul in your Bible. It's getting at the same idea. It's a Greek word called suke which it looks like the English word for psyche, right? And that word basically means the inner essence of every person. So that thing inside of you that makes you a human being, um, when you see a dead body that's lacking something, right? Uh, this, this is that something. It's kind of like um, if you said, you know, my, my grandma, she's 90 years old, but she's full of life, right? That's kind of getting at that thing. Uh, the word that might be best used is breath. Just hang with me through the Greek thing. Uh, the word that might be used is breath, which is awkward in English. Um, we don't say breath a lot. 
But uh, in Genesis chapter 1, when God created the first human being, uh, it says this, Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Uh, this word, this is the breath, that thing that God has breathed into every person that makes us a human being. That thing that makes us human is our God-breathed essence. And whether you're here and you're a Christian or you're not yet a Christian, um, you have that breath inside of you. It's the thing that makes you a person. Uh, that might be offensive to you. Um, that's okay. Uh, and and. Because of that, because every person that has, that has ever lived has that image, we call it the image of God, or the breath of life. Uh, because of that, that means that Christians don't have a corner on like the beauty market, right? Like Christians aren't the only, like, since we know God, we're the only ones that can make art, like, quite the contrary, often. Um, beautiful art, or beautiful music, or beautiful drama, uh, or the best uh, things. Um, everyone is filled with God's breath. We all bear God's image. That thing that makes us human, that gives us creativity and life, um, that causes everyone to make wonderful art and music and literature. Uh, that's why, if you're a Christian, you can go out with your uh, unbelieving friend, and you guys can have a great meal, right? And you share this meal and know how awesome it was, right? Have you ever had like this amazing burger or something? And you're like, this is amazing. And you both can relate. It's because you're both resonating with God's breath inside of you. Um, so that was my seminary Greek out. Thank you. The breath of life that's in us. Um, but Jesus is saying that the further one, one pulls from, if you pull, pull far away from the source of that breath, that is, if you pull far away from God, if you pull away from the Lord Jesus, the less truly human you will be. The things that you seek uh, to give you fulfillment or satisfaction, if it isn't Jesus, it makes you less human. Now, Jesus is saying if we keep this breath of life to ourselves, uh, then we will lose it. Uh, maybe you were a kid and you grew up where there was fireflies, right? And it's like a magical experience. You know, we have like tons of fireflies at our house. It's awesome. Um, because you feel like you're in some kind of like Pixar, you know, movie, um, minus weird things talking. And, uh, and maybe you thought that you would like to capture that magic, right? And so you captured it right in the mayonnaise jar, right? And you put it in your room. But then you discovered that by keeping this thing for yourself, by trying to bottle this magic for yourself, that you forfeited it, right? It wasn't magic anymore. It just looked like some crazy, weird bug. Um, when we continue in our sin without Jesus, and we try to keep that to ourselves and not yield it to Jesus, we lose something of what it means to really be human in its most fundamental essence. Um, when we disregard what Jesus says about our sex, about our money, about our family, about our success, or anything, um, we're led into to dehumanization. That dehumanizes us. But the closer that we draw near to Jesus, conversely, uh, the closer that we get to Jesus, the closer that we come to him, the more that we offer ourselves, our lives, our souls to him for his use, uh, the more truly human we become. Uh, we become more human. Uh, you may not think about this very often, um, but one day when Jesus comes back, as we believe that he's going to do, um, and he makes everything right, and there's a new heavens and a new earth, 
you're not going to like spring from your body in this like weird soul and like go up to heaven and like hang out on a cloud, you know, and play some harp, which would kind of be awesome to play a harp. Uh, but no, you're going to still be a body and a soul forever. Uh, we're human beings. Uh, and Jesus is saying that the nearer we draw to Jesus now, the more human we become, the more we tap into that perfect humanity. Uh, Jesus, uh, elsewhere in John 10, he compares himself to a shepherd and he says this, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Drawing near to Jesus gives real, full, abundant, rich life. Uh, he gives us life. He gives abundant life. Uh, but the, e- the issue that Jesus is addressing when he's talking about that we could sell our souls for something, that we could give up our life for something, um, it's not a physical commodity usually. Most people don't ignore Jesus and push him to the side because they want some physical thing. It does happen. Um, but the issue that Jesus is addressing is a following issue. Jesus is saying that we need to change who we're following. He's saying, who are you going to follow? So Jesus gives us true life, but Jesus also gives us true liberty. Someone told me last week to make sure to state the outline. So I'm stating the outline for you, Sarah Bone. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome. Jesus gives true life. But Jesus also gives us true liberty. Following Jesus is real freedom. Following Jesus is real freedom. Uh, Now, when Jesus says that we should follow him, he says, "Let let him, if anyone come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We might hear that and think we have to start following somebody. Jesus is saying we need to start doing this following thing. But Jesus isn't saying that at all. Jesus is saying you need to start following someone else because we're already following someone. Notice he says uh, in verse 34, let him deny himself and follow me. Uh, We're already following ourselves. Your default function as a person is to follow your own desires, your own plans, your own dreams. And Jesus is saying that we need to change our direction. Uh, We need to repent. And that word repent means to change directions and walk in a different direction. Uh, There's a paraphrased Bible that I use to sometimes sort of get at what a text is trying to say. And he puts it like this. Anyone who tends to come with me has, has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Um. I like to get together with you guys and we talk a lot. And like something that comes up a lot, and I get more and more convinced of this every single day. Um, because, you know, people come to me and they're like, my friend is doing this and I don't understand why they're doing this. It's obviously, you know, wrong or whatever. Or I can't understand why I can't stop doing this. Um, the more I live, the more I'm convinced that people just do what they want to do. Uh, I see this so often when people are like, my friend, you know, like, I, there's this guy, and he's really cute, and, but he's not a Christian. And so, like, I know I can't marry someone that's not a Christian, so I shouldn't date him. And then, like, there's only one thing that determines whether they date that person or not, and it's how much they like them. It's not whether or not they're a Christian. If they really like them, they just do it. Uh, I know that sounds a little bit uh, harsh. But in a real sense, more than we probably care to realize, 
we are controlled by our desires. Uh, there is a nature in us that controls, in a real sense, what we do. Um, we don't make arbitrary, random decisions very often, or even at all, I would argue. Uh, every decision that we make is because that's what we want to do. And that might sound too, too basic, but listen to how Jesus says it in Matthew chapter 12. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure of his heart produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. We, uh, we choose, we make decisions according to the desires of our heart. Uh, and naturally, without Jesus, we have sick hearts. They don't work right. Uh, so when someone says... Just follow your heart. It'll never lead you astray. That is terrible advice. <laughs> and talk to me before you do whatever it is that your heart is telling you to do. So I can tell you that it's probably bad advice. Um, human beings work by following the desires of our hearts. Um, we choose according to our desire. Uh, that's how human beings work. It's how actually everything works. If you had a lion at, you know, off of Craigslist... And, uh, and, and you wanted to feed the lion, and you gave it the choice between a bag of Skittles and, like, a rare steak. The lion is free to choose. It may choose either one. But a hundred times out of a hundred, it's going to choose the meat because it's a lion. And it doesn't like Skittles, you know? Um, I'd be more like 80-20 on the steak, you know, but... Um, it's in the lion's nature to choose meat. Its desire that is inside leads it to choose meat. And in order to have true liberty in our lives, uh, in order to have true freedom in our lives, uh, we don't need the option to just make arbitrary decisions about anything. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, we don't need the freedom to just being able to choose the Skittles or the meat. What we need to have real liberty is the ability to always choose the good and right thing. We need hearts that desire, that nature is to choose the right and good thing. That would be real freedom. Being able to choose the good every time. So Jesus isn't asking us whether we'll follow him or follow no one. Uh, Jesus is asking whether it's better to follow him or follow your own heart. Uh, and whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, you know, this is... This is just one of those ones where everything is whether you're a Christian or not a Christian. So just assume that. Um, Jesus is asking you and me whether trusting him is a safer option than trusting yourself. Um, whether following him is safer than following your internal compass. Uh, and I'm not asking for an answer. I'm not going to tell you everyone to close their eyes and put up their hands. I see that hand. Yeah. Um, I'm just asking you to consider to be skeptical about what's in here and think maybe following Jesus is a more sure, safer bet. Um, because after all, Jesus says at the end of the passage that following our own internal compass ultimately leads to death. Okay, so at this point, you may be thinking, okay, so the takeaway of this passage is this. Jesus says, um, I can either be happy now and miserable later, or I can be miserable now and happy later. God bless you. Uh, <clears throat> I'll say that again. Uh, 
I mean, honestly, okay, okay, when I read this passage, and often when I'm reading the scripture, I'm aware that I need the Holy Spirit, because I'm reading this and really thinking, Jesus is saying, either be miserable now and be happy in heaven, or be happy now and be miserable in hell. And that's the point, and that's the takeaway, and let's pray. Um, but I don't think that's true. Because uh, not only does Jesus give us true life, Sarah true life, true liberty, uh, but he also gives us the pursuit of true happiness. Uh, following Jesus gives us true satisfaction. The satisfaction that Jesus gives is better than anything. Uh, this afternoon when I was thinking about this passage, because I've been out of town and I was like scurrying, you know, uh, my wife called me, Sarah Jane, she's sitting in the back, and she was at, she was at the grocery store and she had put her, you know, buggy back, her shopping cart back and they were leaving and the next shopping cart had like a, you know those bank bags with like the zipper top, you know, and, uh, and there was a bunch of money in it and she was like, I need you to tell me to give this money back. <laughs> and I said, how much money do you think is in there? And she was like, I don't know, it's really thick. And so, you know, fair enough. Um, following Jesus meant that she had to give the money back, okay? Like, we, can we agree on that? Um, that that's, that's okay. But how is that not, let me be miserable now, because she really wants to buy some beds for our house, like we need some beds. And she was like, yes, the beds. Um, <laughs> How is that not just be miserable now until you can be happy later? Follow Jesus and your life is going to be awful, um, but you'll be happy later. Uh, the prophet Isaiah, in the Old Testament book of Isaiah, chapter 55, he puts it like this. Come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. This is the key point. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live. Um, Isaiah is saying the same thing Jesus is saying. Following the course of this world or our own internal compass um, always leads to limited satisfaction. It's just the way it is. Um, It isn't really food that you're buying. Uh, It isn't something that's going to quench your thirst. The thing that you're working for is not going to give you satisfaction. Uh, Sarah Jane and I, uh, also we go to Cracker Barrel a lot. And... um, for, for some strange reason, Cracker Barrel has this, like, weird romantic energy for us. And, uh, and, you know, like, seriously. Like, it really does. Like, when we go out on a date, we're like, we're getting a babysitter and we're going to Cracker Barrel. And, uh, and we, like, stare deeply into each other's eyes. You know, it's, uh, it's a true story. Um, and when we go, I always get the country chef salad. Okay? Because it's, it's baller. And, um, and it ha- it's like this big salad. It has like egg, ham, turkey, bacon, cheese. You know, like it barely qualifies as a salad because it's like this meat with like some lettuce underneath. It's awesome. And at the end of this salad, I'm always like, I can't possibly eat another bite. You know, I'm stuck. I'm like leaning back from the table, like loosening my belt. Um, but since there's this romantic energy, sometimes we get to talking. And we do, we're talking. And... Um, <laughs> Like, after, like, 20 minutes, like, I was just stuffed. 
After 20 minutes, I'm like asking the waitress to bring some more biscuits, you know, with blackberry jam. Um, uh, it's like, as amazing and like satisfying as this salad is, like 20 minutes later, like I'm kind of hungry again. Um, the satisfaction dissipates. Uh, and it's by God's grace that while we're out seeking things, you know, food, like you always feel hungry again. Um, while we're out seeking things that after we eat it, we always feel hungry again. Whatever we're chasing, um, God, by his grace, shows up. And he says, that's not real. Let me show you what's real. It's like Katniss and Peter. Uh, uh, um, in the Hunger Games. Settle. You know, they play, like, they really, I mean, it's sweet. Like, they play the real or not real game, right? Like, they need help knowing what's real and what isn't real. Um, Jesus comes in, like, in his love. And I kind of say, he says, like, that's not real. Uh, But I am. That won't satisfy you, but I will. Um, That's not real food, but I'm the bread of life. And if you eat of me, you will never hunger again. And that's not going to quench your thirst down to the deep parts of you, but I'm living water, and if you drink of me, you will never, ever thirst again. So, when you're thinking about decisions, whether they be tonight or in years from now, um, whether or not to make a, I mean, date, uh, you know, such and such a person, um, what career to pursue, uh, whether or not to share that juicy bit of gossip that you just heard about your roommate. Um, Whether or not to just dive in headfirst at the party because you would be the only weirdo that wouldn't be doing it. Uh, We're not just saying, just be miserable now because Jesus will make you happy later. What I want you to ask is, could could you trust that Jesus is better than that thing? Could you trust that even though it feels like in the moment it is going to make everything right, that when you wake up in the morning, it won't be there? They won't be there. Um, Could we trust Jesus to tell us what's real and what's not real? And could we submit ourselves to him and follow him that he's for us and that he's better? Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for your grace. Jesus, thank you that you are better. Thank you that you really do satisfy. And it's not just when we just feel this overwhelming presence, this emotional high. But Lord, in, the, in and out every day when we're walking to class, when we're sleeping, when we're studying, when we're hanging out with friends, you're sustaining us. And you are true food and real drink. And you satisfy us, Lord. Uh, satisfy our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.